Locked in Room Podcast. I'm Liar. I'm Rat. And we're going to review the Future Diary. Spoiler free intro. Yeah. Spoiler free summary of the first episode. 14 year old Yukiteru Amino feels alienated from his classmates, instead, spending his time typing the events around him into a diary and talking to his imaginary friend Deus Ex Machina. Before long, he notices that his diary suddenly has entries from days that haven't happened yet and is informed that Deus is, in fact, a real god, and that he has given 12 different people diaries that see the future, and the one person who can eliminate all the other diary holders will succeed him as god. Yikes. Yeah, that sounds wild. That's because it is. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of out of control. Uh, our collective rating out of 10, we gave it a 6. Yeah, a 6. Pretty good. It's alright. Yeah, it's whatever. It's better than whatever. Than whatever. To elaborate on that, a spoiler-free reason why we gave it a sex. Future Diary is a drag race to Crazy Town with the brakes cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Calling the show entertaining is an insane understatement, but that does come with an asterisk. Namely, how much disbelief can you suspend? The rest of the show's aspects are all frequently double-edged swords. And on that note, uh, spoilers past this point. Also, also, sexual violence warning past this point. We don't, we're not gonna, like, talk about it, talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we're not describe. we're, again, like in, uh, like in the Overlord review, we're not gonna be, like, describing it or anything like that. But it does happen in the show, so we are gonna talk about it. So yeah. if you're sensitive to, like, hearing discussions of that sort of thing, even if very surface level, recommend giving this one a skip. Yeah, exactly. What do you think about the show? Do you think they should watch it? Should you stay and watch it? Should you go watch it before you listen to the podcast? Or, uh, yeah, I think so. I don't know if I necessarily uh, recommend it in every circumstance. It's a lot. It feels like some like you gotta see this to believe it. You yeah, know? that's. I think that's the thing that I could say on that front is uh, it's definitely a spectacle. Yeah, if you're here for the spectacle, you can kind of take everything with a grain of salt. Mm. The show is like nine thousand times better. Yeah. If you can just like get the stick out of your ass, yeah. But we're gonna we're gonna plant that stick in our ass really quick. Yeah, so yeah, that stick's been up there for so long. I don't even know if it comes out anymore. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, spoilers now. We have selected three subjects to discuss for the majority of the podcast. These subjects are uh, calling back to that double-edged sword comment that I made. The good side of the sword, the bad side of the sword, and the thing that every sword's got: some edge. Uh, for each subject, we have written a paragraph independent from each other and we'll read it aloud. Then we will ask two questions each in an open discussion format. Uh, the good side of the sword. If absolutely nothing else, this show is a roller coaster ride from start to finish. With pacing so fast, it'll give you rug burn if you don't watch out, and such a wild concept, there's spectacle aplenty to be found here. But beyond that, despite its over-the-top presentation, it does actually have things to be saying to the audience. Some of these ideas kind of get lost in the shuffle, but overall it does provide welcome ideological backing to the wild events happening on screen. Yeah, it's kind of fucking nuts. Yeah. It doesn't stop. It's kind of crazy. Uh, let's start this off strong. The pacing may be the only part of this show that doesn't come with some baggage. The pacing being fast and exciting kept me engaged with the series from start to finish. No downtime. Diary keepers are mowed down at a pretty alarming pace, keeping things tense, and this also assists the feeling of mortality of all the side characters, which is nice too. 
Yeah. From here on out, though, most praise comes with an asterisk. The tone has the ability to switch between the dark and ridiculous shockingly well, but because of that, it makes some scenes that were meant to be taken seriously seem comedic at best. See, the robot dogs. Yeah. That's like, actually, this is kind of fucking stupid. The characters all having unique diaries is sometimes an interesting exposition device, like with the escape diary that belongs to the ninth. Other times it seems like a wasted opportunity, like the coloring book for the kid or the breeder's diary, which is just yeah. like contrived and stupid. And why did we even do this? Yeah. You know, um, makes it seems like wasted space. Mm-hmm. Uh, the combat in the show is also quick and visceral, but this frequently makes things feel anticlimactic. While I think the pros do outweigh the cons, they are so tightly intertwined that discussing them separately is really hard. So yeah, I'm gonna kind of, you know, with this, with us closing this topic, I'm just gonna like put a pin in that and be like, hey, all of these things do come with like their bad side. There's just generally with most of the things that you'd praise it for, there's just so much and important of a but mm-hmm. at the end of the sentence that it feels like doing a disservice to chop it in half. Yeah, and do like a good sentence and a bad sentence, but they're just so connected. It feels like that's doing a, di- a disservice yeah exactly like um like the thing about the tone or it's like you know it's it's crazy with the whole like the sequence with menene with the mm-hmm. terrorist school thing with the bombing where it's like a, a bunch of fucking kids die in an explosion it's really fucked up yeah and then uh but then also smokescreen motorcycle escape yeah and it actually kind of just works but also because of this up and down situation where you're not sure whether to take something seriously or not when something like edgy edgy is happening you remember that there's a man who chokes himself out with a rope and wears a like a fucking target on his head and has hypnotic powers and you're just supposed to buy that and pretends to be power ranger yeah and so like that arc happens at the same time as the rape arc well the first rape arc yeah Oops. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, no, like that that Power Ranger sequence happens in the exact same arc simultaneously. Yeah. To the rape arc, and it's like yeah. kinda seems like a like kinda seems like you shouldn't be fucking doing that, but it kinda works. Yeah. Anyway. But for the most part I'd say it's uh generally like welcome comedic relief in a lot of situations. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. When it stumbles that's a pretty big stumbling yeah 100 percent, and that's kind of like you do have to take things with a grain of salt rather if you can take things with a grain of salt you will enjoy this show exponentially more because if you do start asking questions oh boy does this show not have answers oh yeah (laughs) uh this is kind of just qualifying the praise a little bit citing some examples here when i talk about uh the how i feel like this show does genuinely have some pretty good ideas under what it's doing is uh the character motivations for the diary keepers oh yeah how like kind of without fail some of them are yeah some of them aren't great but some of them are a little bit of a stretch but they do at least like go through the effort of ensuring that every single one of these 12 people has like a reason for doing and acting the way the yeah yeah the only and the only like notable exceptions to that would be like 12 yeah. Because he's just kind of a MacGuffin man that made all the diaries and yeah. the muffin lady who kind of is just there 
Yeah, but, like, but even those though, are kind of they're kind of intertwined anyway. They're kind of basically the same arc and character anyway. So it's it's whatever. And yeah, the story and, isn't about that at that point. Yeah, and like even then they still do the hand where you like, oh, he wants to give everyone in future diary powers to like advanced like, society or whatever. Like, yeah, and the lady's just like, oh, I just want to like look out for my kids. Yeah, and that's kind of it. And but it's something. Kind of, yeah, yeah, you're it, right. It's not like anything substantive, but it's not nothing. Yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, sometimes it stumbles, like the whole, uh, I think the fourth, the like, like fourth changing sides is kind of contrived because it was like all of a sudden he's like, ah, actually I'm going to kill you. He has some reasons, but it seems like yeah, he I just kind of like turned because. I feel like the, they circle back at the end and discuss that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that would have been a lot better if they would have at least told us that was happening when he switched sides instead of he switched sides and they sort of hand wave it why and then circle back to explain it at the end of the series right which not great yeah and if they would have just done all that when it was happening i feel like that would have been a lot better yeah yeah but again it's one of those things of like oh yeah all the characters have their individual motivations but <laughs> yeah sometimes like some of them not great or like not well explored or anything like that. Yeah, so I guess this is a, you know buckle in because basically everything in this review is going to come with it tacked on. Eh, but like the action, for example, by saying, "Oh, the action's actually super cool and novel because it's not drawn out." Yeah, it's very snappy. It's violent as fuck, and it's happening right now. But then sometimes the show like literally takes a knee in the middle of the action and then flashback and some exposition happens and it's like i mean this is the most literal form of hold up let me tell you my backstory first and yeah like, or the couple does that too yeah and my thing while we're on the subject of this my thing about the action is again like everything you said that was positive is very good but sometimes it's just like with being so quick and snappy and yeah it can feel like it ended too fast it can feel a little yeah yeah anticlimactic or contrived even yeah and sometimes that's kind of the point like with 12 yeah like with 12 or like with uh really liked it there yeah it was great or like with uh the crazy justice man yeah like he shows up and is like oh we got five people i'm running at you and you know swings once and the fight's over yeah like that's a neat sequence and it just seems like the kind of thing that a lesser show might draw out for literally 10 minutes yeah, but then you get stuff like uh, Akise or whatever mm-hmm. it is gets his throat slit, but yeah. then he doesn't die. But then gets up, he walks then, around with his head off for like a gets, solid, f- and he's still typing or whatever for like fifteen seconds. Yeah, and then gets beheaded and continues to walk towards Yugateru holding his phone out with yeah. his head in the air. Yeah, which admittedly that whole it's a nice shot. The like shot composition, the actual like camera composition is good, but again, it all just comes with the butt like. But this whole situation is really stupid. Yeah. Like, to get this neat shot that you did with the whole thing... I can't remember specifically what it was, but, like, a rock is, like, blocking... Yeah, it was, like, a piece of, like, a piece of, like, rebar holding up rubble. Mm It was, like, at his neck level, and then, you know, goes by, and then the rubble falls, and you see that his head's gone. Yeah. Like, that's a neat shot, but it's, like, you had to do so much bullshit. You had to go out on such a crazy limb to get it. Was it worth it? Like, do the ends justify the means? And sometimes the answer is no. Relatedly, yeah. how much suspension of disbelief is too much? Because obviously, 
the concept of the show is like high concept bullshit. It's like, oh, there's a god and he's real. Twelve dudes do the Future Diary Hunger Games. Yeah. And they find each other and beat each other up. Mm-hmm. And as an audience member, because you're watching a show and it's fiction, you're like, yeah, sure, sounds good, man. But then when mecha dogs show up and the Breeder Diary can also command them the whole time, it's like, at where do you draw the line? Like, this wasn't in the rule book, my guy. This is yeah. just cheating. I want to say, I, I would like to state for the record here, just in case we get a glass push up. Um, actually, crab mm-hmm. going here. I'd like to state for the record that we uh, we do know that they're not like they're like dogs wearing like metal muzzles. They're not yeah. literally mecha dogs, right? But, but Jesus Christ. But yeah, <laughs> that's a hard question to answer. I think largely because it's just so dependent on like a case by case. Yeah, like it's very case by case because it's so dependent on like oh how seriously is the show taking itself. How serious is the subject matter it's talking about? Mm-hmm. How, like, fantastical is the situation that they're in? So, et so it's very, like, honestly, if you took a more, like, grounded and serious show and hit me with the guy has an imaginary friend, actually, he's God, and he's telling the future through these diaries, I'd be like, wait, hold up, stop. Yeah. But because this show is so kind of ridiculous, over the top, blisteringly fast the whole time it's like yeah sure dude and that's not the part that's the contentious part yeah and that's yeah that and that's kind of the thing that i guess i'm getting at is as you slide the suspension of disbelief bar of oh yeah this guy who chokes himself out and is a power ranger he also just like hypnotized this entire cult like don't worry about it yeah uh at some level that does take away from the fact that also there's like a rape backstory and it's pretty grounded and and emotional and so it's like there's a lot of moments in the show that test my patience yeah for sure i don't know if i have a concrete answer for you on where that line is but i can tell you that at multiple times this show steps up for it not by a ton but it it does and there are sequences that are like like clearly played for comedy or played for action trope, like the aforementioned smoke bomb motorcycle situation yeah. with Manene. And that's fine, because you're like, where did the motorcycle come from? Who fucking cares? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, dumb, and the show it, knows it's dumb. Yeah, it's a bit. But how dumb does the show know it is when there's mecha dogs? Or how dumb does the show know it is when the Power Ranger hypnotizes an entire group of people? You know? Yeah. And it's 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 not always clear that the show is laughing along with you. It might actually think what it's doing is cool as shit. Yeah. When it's kind of, kind of fucking stupid and contrived. We both talk about, like, the tone and the pacing and how the tone vacillates back and forth between comedic and serious very quickly. Like, uh, how, like, well would you say it does that? Uh, better than I thought was actually fucking possible. Oh, yeah, <laughs> me too, for sure. That's, that's, I think that's some, that's a great question, because it's, it, it's very weird how effectively the show can go from, oh, this is dumb as hell, and, like, like the best example that I can come up with off the top of my head is the Minene motorcycle bit. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, they got her cornered, and... Everything, and then smoke bomb out of the dress, motorcycle, peel off, gone. is like, the dumbest thing ever. Mm. But it's awesome. 
even though immediately before we were getting down and dark and heavy with like kids getting blown up and then taking their friend hostage and turning him into a terrorist in exchange for their lives basically yeah but then that same terrorist escapes in like a Dwayne the Rock Johnson style action movie bit where it's like you're not even supposed to kind of think about this it's just supposed to be dumb everyone knows it's dumb yeah and it does this really well but I think the collateral damage is that when the show wants you to take something seriously uh it takes more convincing like uh you know takes Yuki and traps him in like a hotel yeah and then the other three go into a room with the fake yuki and then the door locks and then there's surveillance cameras and gas mm. and it's like this is really fucking dumb <laughs> like this this whole sequence is actually dumb as shit just because of the like how did she set this up i mean i get that oh she'd done it before but it's like yeah but where'd she get the fucking stuff and yeah where'd she find the time and like everything had to fall in place exactly how it did and like at some point like because the show is over the top and ridiculous you could accept it but then the tension's gone or you could go the other direction and take it really seriously to keep the tension but then you can't excuse the bullshit yeah and it kind the show kind of wants to play both sides of oh ignore the plot holes here like ignore the loose ends it's fine just just roll with it but then wants you to take it seriously. Yeah, it definitely does ride that razor's edge. And that time, it's better at it at some times. It vacillates throughout the show. Yeah, and I think it does it better than I ever thought possible. Oh, for sure. As mm-hmm. soon as it first like started getting dark, with like the first time Nene showed up, yeah. I was ready to be like, oh, here we go. Yeah, we're going to blow up kids. Great. Yeah, we're going to blow up kids. Yeah. And then we're going to start cracking some jokes. And this is going to be terrible. Yeah, and it just isn't. Yeah, and it just isn't. But again, it depends on how big of a grain of salt you can carry. Next subject, the bad side of the sword. Let's begin with the worst offender instead of the best part. When your pacing is as good as it is in a show like this, you should avoid interrupting it at all costs. However, taking a knee or sometimes taking a full 15-minute flashback, in the case of the couple, the entire sequence where Yuno is chasing Yuki in a bunny costume to grab a love letter from... A crush that may or may not return the feelings is really fucking stupid and just didn't need to be there. And it could have been cut so easily. Backstory for characters could have been implemented so much better than just cold, hard flashbacks. Again, alluding to Manana's escape diary, where it's like, oh, she's the slippery type because her diary is the escape diary. It's not the I'm a blow shit up diary like the murderer is. Yeah. Because he's just tanking. He's like, I'm going to kill this person. That's what I'm going to do. Manene is the type that values the getaway. Yeah. And that her diary tells you a lot about that. But the show frequently devolves into flashbacks for that kind of stuff. Uh, Compounding on this problem is that sometimes the exposition skips over information that is glaringly absent. This makes situations like the mech dogs in the park seem super contrived and kills my investment. Like, why was she carrying... Why did she have a fake hand? And, like, why do they have metal muzzles? And why can you command them with the phone? Just Less important flaws include the soundtrack using campy sound bites that can, at worst, wreck a scene here and there. The animation straddles between being better than average and being shit. And the cherry on top, the lack of someone to tell the creative lead to calm the fuck down. 
Unfortunately, with all the spectacle comes the danger of taking things too far, and this show likes to ride that line pretty close. While it's rarely offensively over the top, it does repeatedly get ridiculous enough to leave the viewer just scratching their head. When an otherwise relaxed and confident narrative about the shy main character open up to, opening up to new friends is interrupted by a fake death and swarm of murder dogs, it's not inherently bad, but it just leaves me wondering why we're bothering. Uh, this show should just admit that some people have superpowers. Or to say, like, oh, this guy is just, like, 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 just say outright in the beginning. This isn't, like, normal town. Some people have got some superpowers. Like this dude, he can command dogs, and he's, like, the dog guy. Or just rein it in mm-hmm. and not have superpowers. Or, like, have him, like, in the park and see them and yell, get him at the dogs. Right. And then the dogs chase them. Yeah. Instead of he calls them on the phone. Yeah, and then the dogs all have, like, radios yeah. for this shit. Yeah, it's really stupid. I feel like it would just be easier to rein in the ridiculousness so you don't have to basically give characters superpowers than it would be to write superpowers in the narrative. Right. Well, like, have the fucking Justice guy... Well, I guess he's the Justice guy, so this doesn't really work. But have the Justice guy, like, blackmail the cult or something so that some of them try to do a coup instead of, oh, he's, like, hypnotized everybody, don't worry about it. Yeah. Because, again, I mean, to be fair, like, Justice guy is also bananas. Well, that's the thing. That's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like, this show should just admit that some people are fucking... are superheroes. Yeah. Because, like, that guy ties a rope around his neck and then becomes a Power Ranger and can hypnotize entire crowds of people, apparently. Yeah. It never actually shows him doing it, either. It mm-hmm. just says, like, oh, I Oh, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I hypnotized these people earlier. So and then just keeps going. Yeah, it's like... And it's like, um, hold up. What? Yeah, like I mentioned in my paragraph sometimes, like, much-needed exposition is just, like, yeah, I hypnotized like a hundred people. Don't worry about it. And it's like, well, what did you just fucking say? <laughs> I will repeat what I said multiple times while I was watching this show. Uh, what? Yeah, <laughs> like sometimes somebody says something and you just like eh, stop. What? What the fuck did you just say? Back yeah. up. Contrived situations being a reoccurring offense. Examples. Examples. Just uh, like a couple examples for us because we've been repeatedly saying, oh, a lot of these situations are like insanely contrived and like coincidence on top of coincidence on top of coincidence on top of my my master plan rubbing temples yeah like uh i think one is uh 12 in the bank vault it's like oh oh i got a bank vault there's a bank doors in the top of this mall (laughs) and it belongs to yuno's family because they were a rich banking family that you're just finding out right now (laughs) But they're dead, so I'm gonna... It was turned over to the city, so I can get it. Because I'm the mayor. Because I'm the mayor. So I'm gonna go and hide in there. Because only... Only only, I... Only me, Yuno's mom, Yuno's dad, and Yuno can open it. And we think Yuno's actually dead and this is an imposter. And it's the kind of thing where it's like, you know what... But actually, it is, you know, so she can open the vault, the second door of the vault, because the first one's just a key card and a pin number, and it's like, what? What are we doing? (laughs) Can we stop this? 
Uh, we talk about how like all oh, contrived scenes and stuff like that. How much does the fast pacing like actually help smooth that over? Uh, so much. Yeah, I think it helps. I think it helps so much because things get so ridiculous so fast, and it kind of does the thing. It does like the scene that it's building up to. That's building this Jenga tower for, mm-hmm. and then after this cool scene happens, and you're like, "Wow, this whole like foundation of this episode is actually really stupid." The series goes, "I know, right?" So on to the next thing, and you're yeah. like, "Oh, oh, well then, whatever. Like this is dumb, but at least we're not like well, stuck in a place yeah. where we have to live with it because yeah. it's not like plot relevant moving forward." Yeah. So yeah, I think that the the blistering pacing helps so much. Just. Move fast and break things. I don't know if you've had this experience, but when I while we were sitting here writing this, I realized it's kind of hard for me to explain why some of these things are bad. In the sense of, like, we talk about, like, uh, contrived setups and stuff like that, but it's kind of... I don't know if you have this, but for me, like, for a lot... Even the stuff it relatively explains that ends up being kind of stupid... It's hard for me to put into words beyond, Mm -hmm. oh, that's just kind of stupid. Yeah, so I have some insight on that. When you hear some shit, like, oh, this man, he can just, he could just hypnotize people and it's, and like, just deal with that. Mm. You as an audience member, you can just accept that and roll with it. Or you cannot and require an explanation. Like, for example... Generally, why a show's plot is explained in the beginning is so you could just get, like... All of that out of the way. Yeah, you can get all that shit out of the way. You get the, oh, by the way, everybody has, like, phones that tell the future. Because if you found that out in, like, episode 18, you'd be like, what? Yeah. Why? Why are we doing this? But if you get it out of the way immediately, you kind of have your, okay, I'm listening, Mm -hmm. give me the elevator pitch mode on. Yeah. But when that happens in, like, episode 12... That's some shit. It's just a perception thing. The Edge? The Edge. Obviously, there are a lot of dark themes here. As we mentioned, murder is obviously heavily involved, but also it does bring up sexual assault multiple times. While it generally handles it okay, with all the characters understanding how horrible it is and reacting appropriately, it does leave the question open as to how necessary it was to include this kind of stuff in the first place. In addition, although this is anime, the amount of nudity of minor characters just kind of made me uncomfortable. That's minor as in under 18, not as in unimportant. Also, uh, this, we watched the unrated version. Oh yeah, the uncut, uncut version on yeah. Funimation. It's nothing pornographic, and as is standard for the medium of anime, the characters functionally could be twice their age with no narrative difference. But it doesn't change the fact that there were the naked breasts of a character that is canonically 14. Submissing quality writing for the sake of some edge is quite the hill to die on. The ending of the series is kind of a clusterfuck of nonsensical events happening under the flag of wouldn't it be cool if. While I like some of the nonsensical garbage, like the fact that Menene escapes the school bombing early on in the show with a motorcycle that came from nowhere. I actually think that sequence is kind of cool. Other creative decisions just make me wonder why we needed to do this. The sequence where Yuno traps Yuki and parades around naked while he sulks and is mute effectively doesn't add anything to the series other than Edge and raises more questions than it answers. Like, how did she even set this shit up and what the fuck is the point of all this? And also, Kosuke has a diary now. 
Uh, the same is true for the young kid shipping nerve gas to a house in a manila envelope. Edge is fine, and obviously Sakai Asuna can make the decisions he wants, but staying grounded would have helped the audience actually take you seriously. We panned Overlord pretty significantly for its handling of uh, sexual assault and uh, puke. Yeah, and just wanted to compare and contrast here. Mm -hmm. uh, it happens to the couple uh, in like episode what, like fucking seventeen or something like that. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that one because it's kind of a it's kind of a throwaway thing. Yeah, which it's not really that critical. Uh, we will talk about like episode five ish. Yeah, because uh, yeah. that's actually extremely relevant to the point yeah, of the that whole arc. Uh, the cult lady. Yeah, uh, I mean, like you had mentioned, I think in your paragraph, or maybe you were just elaborating, it uh, it handles it with tact. Everyone is properly traumatized and knows how yeah. fucked up it is, uh, but it does, you know, have some worrying themes of like the sexual assault being her foil. I kind of don't like, because the whole, like, her coping thing is that she had, like, a rubber ball that she attached to emotionally. Yeah. And it ends up eventually, like, being her foil, and that's kind of fucked up. But, you know, it, it, the show has dark themes. This show is, like, dark and edgy, because it's 2011. The big difference, I think, between the way Overlord handled it and the way this show handled it is, in Overlord, it happens to the character. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of just fine. And also, like, maid outfits are involved. Yeah, it's ugly. When in this show, the girl is presumably repeatedly sexually assaulted for a significant amount of time. Mm -hmm. Which is not shown on camera. Really? Yeah. Like, there's like a... Uh, it, it, it's shown... It, there's like a still image of, like, groping once, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. But, like, that happens to her. And she is, you know, messed up by that. Yeah. And traumatized for, you know, she's not around for that many episodes. But as soon as we find out about that, it becomes clear, like, the degree to which she's bitter and angry about having that happen to her. Mm -hmm. Not to get out of the horrible everything sucks pit, in terms of, like, the edge being a weight on the writing. The ending of the show, like the ending five episodes, just like is clearly the creative team being like actually shoulder deep up their ass. Yeah. And having no consideration for if anything makes any fucking sense. Like Menene is flying around. Half God. Ha yeah. And then uh, Murmur is like a monkey thing. Akisearu is actually just like code. But a human. But a human and made by God, and not, and a diary owner, but not a diary owner. And again, gets decapitated, but keeps walking for like 30 seconds. Because we gotta get this cool shot. Yeah. But it's just the kind of thing where it's so clear that the writers thought this was cool as hell, but they got so caught up in how cool it would be to do X and Y, that they didn't deliver it with any grace. Like, nothing was left on the cutting board. They just kind of put it all in. And because of that, it feels, like, bloated and meaningless. Yeah, like, all the time loop stuff was kind of fucking whack. It seems like if they would have given that less attention, it would have been easier to buy. Yeah. Because it would be like, oh, Yuno's obsessed with him and becomes God, goes back in time, kills herself. But then it kind of gets, like, fixated on that. Yeah, and that becomes, like, the crux of the next three episodes. Yeah, and it's kind of stupid. Well, conclusion? 
conclusion. The Future Diary is simultaneously a great idea done in interesting ways, as it is full of tropes with shitty execution. Writing a review for this has been tough because there's a lot to chew on, but I have a great deal of respect for the series on this premise alone. At the end of the day, the series is fun, batshit insane, and shoulder deep up its own ass. Let the record reflect that I would take that any day of the week over boring. This feels like it just needed someone to rein it in. The ideas are good. The execution is kind of unsteady, but definitely more than passable. And with someone to keep the plot under control, it could have been great. Mm -hmm. But as it is, we're still left with a, if confusing, but entertaining spectacle. Awesome. So, so yeah, final, our ratings. Yeah, our final ratings. Uh, I gave it a six. I also gave it a six. Nice. So uh, next time? Uh-oh. Rising of the Shield Hero. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I have. So. Help. <laughs>